Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Thrilled to introduce everybody to a longtime staple in USA Swimming and in the Eastern Zone, our very good friend, John Carroll. John, how are you and where are you coming to us from today? I'm very well, thank you. I'm coming from Marlton, New Jersey. Fantastic, Coach. You know, one of the things that I always used to try to catch a glimpse of when I was younger was your yellow legal pads at meets. You always had that yellow legal pad out. And I would say, you know, I'm going to sneak over by John Carroll, see what he's writing down there besides splits. Uh, and that was a great education for a young coach to see what you were observing uh, during your athletes swimming. One of the things, John, that I've always appreciated about your programs uh, and the background of your athletes was toughness. And the reason that I chose toughness in training as a topic to speak with you about today is you've been legendary for creating athletes who are very tough. You've had two athletes go through your programs and eventually make Olympic teams. You've had your athletes compete on the U.S. national team year after year after year. Your family is seminally involved. In fact, I have to give a quick shout out to your wife, Barb, because the promotional material for this interview, I never would have got a good picture unless I went to her Facebook and found one of you. So quick okay. shout out to Barb. Uh, and the other thing, John, is your athletes have always been able to swim every stroke, every distance, every event. The 400 IM has been a longtime staple in your program, and we're just so thrilled to have you on. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I want to start out with just talking about your basic philosophy for coaching athletes in the programs that you've had, whether it was with Jersey Wahoos or with the new club. So talk a little bit about how you start uh teaching the philosophy to both your staff and your athletes all right well well right now i'm with blue wave aquatics and we're out of uh, camden new jersey we're out of Voorhees, new jersey um so we have two different sites um so right now we're we're small um but we are growing we had about 20 kids last year we have about 35 or so kids this year um, and I do coach now uh, our platinum group, which is basically high school level kids. And then our gold group, which is about 11 to 14 year olds. So I'm coaching both of those groups. And uh, I'm right now about 14 uh, total that I'm working with uh, directly. And, um, you know, we've just had a couple meets. We, uh, we've already had two meets and we host them at the Croc Center. That's our site in Camden. And um, what I like to do is I like to have the, the uh, swimmers well-rounded, like you said. I, I want them to learn all the strokes. I want them to put them in max events, especially early. Um, I do, uh, I love the program for United States Swimming that has, uh, uh, what is it, the virtual, uh, well, virtual club championships, I like that. So we're small, but, um, I do like the IMX, um, so I uh, I really uh, try to promote and push all of the all all of our swimmers into some of their softer events. Maybe they don't like the two breasts. Maybe they don't like the two fly. Uh, but you know they're swimming. You know if if you're swimming in our program, that's what we believe is is the best thing for you. Um, you know, training wise, it's mostly aerobic, uh, aerobic threshold. Um, you know, we do do some uh, 
you know, I, I like the meets and the high school meets. I, I ask our athletes to swim really fast in the high school meets. So that could be, you know, like four events in an hour. So that's that a day that they didn't train with us. So that's, you know, that's your, uh, your quality day, you know, doing four uh, swims in an hour. So we, we do different test sets and stuff throughout uh, the year, but um, uh, basically um, we're, we're pushing them into all of those events and, you know, uh, I'm big on attendance. You got to come, you got to be there every day. If we have six practices for gold, you know, you need to be there six times. All right. If it's five, that's fine. But three is not good. You know, we don't want three. We want uh, five or six, you know, and then our platinum group swimming eight workouts. So we're doing two mornings. Uh, it's a young group, so we don't we don't have nine or ten workouts yet. But when it, the appropriate time would happen, we have that flexibility to do that. But yeah, I want them eight times. You know, I had one kid uh, just yesterday miss a miss uh, miss a practice, um, so he he was a hundred percent, you know, for the whole year so far. But uh, yeah, I had a homework assignment and had to miss. But uh, those are some of the things that we do. John, we, we mentioned versatility before you talked about the IMX program and the IMX program has always been a staple here at Victor with us and uh, largely because of influencers like you and Chuck Batchelor and, and many of the other coaches in the Eastern zone who share a similar philosophy about working all four strokes. I was very fortunate a few years ago to work with one of your athletes at National Select Camp in Zach Pong. And uh, he certainly had the ability to swim every stroke and every distance. Uh, and that continued on in college. Talk to us a little bit about when you start to push those athletes into some challenging events. At what ages are you starting to say, hey, we want to try the 200 fly. Hey, we're going to go 400 IM. Hey, you're going to go the mile at this meet. Well, I mean, for years, I just worked on the high school level. So all of a sudden, as soon as you came into the program, you were doing that. But now, um, you know, I'm actually working with, uh, I have 12 year olds uh, in the gold group. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm introducing them uh, to a little bit at a time. You know, um, you know, the 400 IM came in with this one gentleman, um, uh, 12 year old, he's got now eight times. He does a double A time in the 100 fly. Uh, we just actually set up a sanctioned 1650 meet. Uh, inside our practice with four lanes, timing system set up. Um, so I didn't pay for a meet fee, but I, I did, you know, I paid for my four lanes that I use. And uh, yeah, the 12 year old did a 1650 and now he's got a, a legal split time for the thousand. So he's 12 and he's got his first mile swim. That's fantastic. And what are some of the things that you and your staff are saying to the kids when you're preparing them to try that for the first time? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to uh, ask the, the swimmers to maybe take it out uh, conservatively is, is, you know, I don't want to say slow, but it's, it, it's controlled and conservative because I want them to finish up strong. All right. And have a positive experience. If the, uh, so they would, you know, do it. It's easier to have them do it again. If they go all out, you know, in the beginning and, and are terrible dying at the end, uh, they never want to do it again. So I, first time guys, I just kind of say, let's, let's just get in there conservative and finish up strong. 
You know, one of the things, John, that a lot of people are talking about this day and age in our sport, and I know that you've, you, you can weigh in on this, is there's always going to be a debate about volume. There's been a debate about volume since the, the dawn of time when it comes to swimming. But when you're thinking about your senior athletes and you're developing those senior level swimmers like you have in the past, and, and now you're working with some of your age groupers, what, what are you looking at in terms of peak volume for the senior level? Well, we have two hours, so there's not much you can do in, in two hours. Um, you know, right now, uh, volume-wise, uh, I am nowhere near where I used to be. We would have two hours and 20 minutes at times, 2.15. So you can get a decent amount. And, you know, uh, in the past, I would probably get in like 10 grand on a Wednesday because we had the two hours and 20 minutes. Um, and I had the uh, athletes that were a little bit uh, stronger uh, at that time. Now these guys are, are you know, I, I'm starting completely from the bottom. These guys are at B-level times. And, and now I just had in that mile meet, we had one of our junior 16-year-olds go 16.55, a triple-A time. So that's our first triple-A time within the program. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the volume wise, uh, I probably am not as uh, gun ho about it now as I, I that I was, but we'll we'll get up to about 65 or seven in, in that two hour block of time. And back in the old days, maybe when, um, you know, you were in those mid to late 90s, when you had some of those outstanding distance swimmers that we all learned about and that we all looked up to as, as young swimmers, where were you maybe at peak volume from a weekly standpoint? Uh, I guess with, with Peter in the nineties, um, I mean, I know in, uh, we probably were 80,000 um, yards meters in the summertime with 11 workouts. So, and when you say Peter, just so that everybody knows, I'm, I believe you're referencing Pete Wright, who made the 96 Olympic team. Yes, yes. And Sean Killian and, and that whole grouping in the early 90s, they, they did a, a good amount of volume. I, I know Sean, uh, the rules were different in college then and at Cal Berkeley, he did a lot uh, of volume uh, in his college. And they probably swam 30 hours a week, which you know, is, is reduced now, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit different back then. Well, I'm glad you mentioned peaks. It's a perfect segue into the introductory story I have for you about training toughness. And one time you and I were at nationals and we were having a couple diet Cokes. And I said, you know, John, tell me this, tell me a story about Pete Wright. And you said, you know, there was this terrible blizzard in, in Jersey one year and and uh, nobody thought they could get to the pool. And Pete got to the pool and he, he, he got in a window or something, right? Before you got there so that you guys didn't miss training. Right. Well, um, I, I guess it was, uh, it was a blizzard, I, I think, in 93, 30 inches. Uh, 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 shut down the state. You're not allowed out. I had front wheel drive, uh, an 86 Taurus. And I jumped in the car and, you know, my wife is screaming at me, no, no, no. So I jumped at, down and, and got in the building through a window because I couldn't open the door because it was 30 feet of snow. I didn't have a shovel. Um, 
and uh, I got in the uh, in the window and knocked a few things off the desk and called Pete. And I said, Pete, I said, I don't think we should have practice today. It's pretty bad out. And he said, John, are you at, uh, yeah, are you at practice? I go, yeah. He said, this, you're crazy. So uh, yeah, we, we did call that one off. I did get stuck and my, my uh, buddy uh, had a, a four wheel drive Jeep and a bunch of change and pulled me out and I went home and it was a snow day after that. Well, it's a great example, Coach, of if you're saying toughness is, um, is important as a coach, you better live up to it. And, and you did that for a very long time. So when we think about what toughness means in training, how do you define that? Yeah, toughness in training, um, I, I just think it's, it's being consistent. And, and uh, I, I do kind of like uh, the kids that are more grinders that, you know, really, uh, you know, really take effort in, in uh, the sets and, and, and trying to maintain their uh, consistency and their splits and stuff like that, as opposed to someone that might, um, you know, might be pretty weak in practice, but then shows up at the meet and it's, it's glory city because they're, they're pretty natural. You know, I, I like that at the meet, but during the day-to-day -day practice, I like these guys, you know, that are grinders that really uh, take hold of the sets and, and really get into it. I, I like something that you did there, and, and it's probably just, uh, you know, unconscious on your part because you've been living it for so long, but you equate toughness to a, a relative engaged focus. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I like when you said toughness as the topic, I'm thinking, well, I think my term is swimming excellence. You know, I, I like that as a term. Uh, and that's what I try to create uh, in all of the athletes, a, a swimming excellence. And I feel that's something that they can take with them once they leave the pool, once they retire and become a swimmer. Um, I, I like that. Uh, you know, term. Absolutely. So when we think about swimming excellence inside of John Carroll's program, what are you telling the athletes before a particularly challenging set that you're looking for them to focus on? Is there something that's inspiring? How do you communicate to your athletes what's important about a set? Well, I, I do like every, well, you know, it depends on the set, obviously, but you know, um, you know, a lot of times I would just want them to make the set because the interval might be, uh, you know, difficult. Their their hundred base might be uh, lower than they're accustomed to. So, you know, I, I want them to make it. Uh, but more often so in pretty much any set, I always want them to finish strong. And, and I like to see that number 10 be the best one. Um, and I think that really equates to the racing, um, when they are able to, you know, really bring home and run down a swimmer next to them because they have just a little bit more in the tank than, than that, uh, that competitor. So I really do want them to swim uh, fast at the very, very end. I don't give them any more rest, but I insist that they uh, try to finish up as best they can. Now, are you focusing with them talking about negative splitting or descending by number? How are you getting to that point physiologically where they're developing those skills? 
lot of my sets are descending, you know, um, or, or within this set, I want them to, uh, I want them to be a little stronger within the set and then maybe descend the set so that the, I am setting them up for that, you know, last swim to be the best. And John, when you're thinking of setting up your week, are there days where it's stroke specific? Is it IM every day? What does your micro cycle look like? Uh, well, it's, it's really hard uh, now because my new group here, um, you know, I don't know who is coming to say, you know, for the most part, some of my gold participants are that three out of the six day a week type of thing. So it's hard. I don't know exactly what, uh, what we're doing, but, you know, I will not, you know, in early season, I'm doing a lot of freestyle and I am, and then we become more stroke specific uh, as the uh, season comes on. We are going to go uh, to a shave and taper meet. Uh, we're back at Jeff Cooper's uh, meet in uh, Ole in India, Indianapolis this December. So I'm taking, it's a small group, but I'm taking uh, 12 kids to that meet. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We're, we're now being a little more stroke specific. Um, you know, uh, turns are being a little bit more, starts are being a little bit more. So, yeah, it, 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 right now it's, um, it's kind of who's there and I, I kind of know what to do when I see who's present. Sure. If there's a reverence coach when, when you talk about this group. So I can tell you're enjoying getting this group yeah. to continue to develop. You can see it in your yeah. face when you talk about yeah. them. Yeah, um, no, it's, fun. it's fun. When you develop your season, you have some test sets that you go through throughout the year. Can you share a couple of those with us? Well, I, uh, I liked the five 1000s on 15 minutes to get you set up for our swimathon, And that's another program that I use uh, from United States Swimming as our annual fundraiser. Um, I do uh, 16 100s on the 130. And uh, I ask them to train within 85 to 90% of their best times. So I'll bring out a chart because uh, I like math and some of these guys are not good at math. So, you know, I'll tell them you're a minute freestyler. You gotta be uh, looking at a 106, training 106, you know, that kind of thing. Now, John, so, are you using energy systems? Are you using our band checks colors? Uh, no, I, I know that. I, I just, uh, I don't have that uh, uh, communicated with them. I use a lot of times heart rate you know, like a 180 plus heart rate, you know, uh, you know, 140 to 150. So we'll be doing, uh, I'm introducing the older kids now to the, the heart rate stuff. So uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, I, I use the old fashioned terms, medium race, but in my race, I'll tell them, you know, hey, I want you to be 160 to 170. So that means it's not all out, but you know, it's, 170 to 180 is a good clip. And then 180 plus is like a max effort. Absolutely. And when we think about the ways that we develop our season, the ways we develop our training plans, you and I are kind of similar in philosophy that we love those grinders. We love the kids who come to work hard. But right. 
Technique is such an important part of my program and your athletes have always swam with beautiful strokes in all four strokes. Talk about how you implement, how you put technique into a program that's really based in some volume. Okay. Well, um, always, always in the beginning of the season, that's why, you know, I like to have everybody there, you know, I'll go way back to basics, uh, work on streamline, you know, how to push off the wall on your side and torque to your stomach. You know, the, I'm a bit, I hate when kids push off like on a frog type uh, method, you know, just sink on the bottom and, and push off. So I really like the uh, hand on the wall and uh, hand behind your head and push up on your side. We'll do all kinds of drills and technique. And I'm pretty good about as they're in the sets, I'll ask them to like, yo, you're 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 only giving me two kicks underwater. Hey, yeah, push off deeper and give me four or five, you know, or hey, your your left hand is crossing, you know. So I do that as we're swimming and, and ask them to try to make changes as we're as we're swimming. But we do start off relatively the first three or four weeks with all kinds of technique work um, turns. I introduce turns immediately because I, why are we introducing turns three, four weeks into the season when you've already swam wrong turns for three weeks? So I, first day is freestyle turns. Uh, next day is back turns, you know, and that's how we start the season and streamline and everything. So uh, yeah, and I'm always, uh, Big thing I want to teach them is the crossover turn. You know, like you get new kids and uh, they don't have a crossover turn. I hate it. You know, I, I just don't like it. I, I want everybody to have a, have a crossover turn. So, uh, you know, we'll take the time and, and show them. And when you're, when you're doing that, Coach, and, and you're progressing from day to day, do you see the skill acquisition develop over a couple of weeks? Does it take a few months? Are you constantly on them, even as you start to increase the intensity of practice? Yeah, I, I will. Yeah, everybody's a little bit different. Some pick it up immediately. Some have to be reminded uh, constantly. Um, so uh, I'm pretty steadfast in continuing to remind them, you know, if they need it to be. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't give up. Are you leaning on? Are you leaning on those athletes who have developed the skill a little bit sooner to uh, be used as examples? Is there some leadership oh, absolutely. happening there? Absolutely, I I show you know, hey, look at this person. You guys need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. Or you know, if we do take the time to do turns, you know, from the middle of the pool, you know, I'm using these guys as examples and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, having well, you know, having a Zach Fong, you know, for, for years was was awesome to have a, as a younger person, even his younger brother, uh, you know, um, and his sister would all always come in and, and help uh, turns, the crossover turns with, you know, the team that, that did not know how to do it. So I, I was always utilize anybody I can. Now, John, one of the things about toughness inside of a program is, you develop several athletes who are all very successful at the same time, maybe across age groups, maybe the same age. What is it like when you have two or three girls who are all good in the same event, 
They're grinding against each other in practice all the time. And here you are, the head coach. You've got to maintain a positive training environment. And sometimes that can be difficult when you have so many competitors who are high, high maintenance competition people. They want to race. They want to be the best. How have you been able to maintain that throughout your career? Well, I think guys and girls are a little, little different, obviously, but the guys seem to always uh, welcome that. Sometimes the girls get a little uh, pushed back if, if, you know, they didn't have a good set and someone else uh, didn't. So, I mean, I always just, you know, everybody has their day, you know, and, uh, you know, this wasn't your day, you know, you come back and you try tomorrow, or this wasn't your meat, you know, um, everybody will have their meat and uh, it, it, you obviously want it sooner than later but you know sometimes you have to be patient and, and wait for later and and in practice you know we just try to look at it and let's let's figure it out tomorrow let's uh, let's try a have a better week next week you know that kind of thing and try to pinpoint you know maybe some of the reasons why they're having an off day or 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 not on their a game Fair to say that you've, you've used that same approach to develop some of those legendary 400 medley relay teams you had and 800 free relay teams you've had. Yes. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. We, uh, we always liked that. That kind of was a staple. I always liked the uh, 800 free relay. Um, I just thought that, you know, I know in meets with the, the time element in the meets, it's not offered as much, you know, but like I, I know in these invites in December and, and obviously your championship level meets in March, they're there. So, you know, we try to utilize them as often as we can. Yeah, there's something right now, to be. I just want to have a relay right now, you know, be able to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting there. Well, I know you're getting there, but I, you know, I heard you say one time, I don't know if it was at a conference or if it was just us talking on the pool deck, you said, you know, there's something to be said for that college athlete who gives you the 400 IM twice in a championship meet session and then anchors your 800 free relay. Talk about right. how you, you take a lot of pride in that and your athletes took a lot of pride in that over the years. Well, I think that's one of the things that I liked as these guys are in high school. I think it prepares them for college. If, you know, like a Matt Belakonich would, uh, we would go to those NCSA uh, junior championships or, uh, and he would swim a boatload of events. I think I, I want to say he did 31 events in the meet or something like that. And then he would anchor the relays and stuff. And, and these guys would all swim, you know, pretty close to their times. Um, so yeah, we, we do in, enjoy having those guys uh, max out on the events. And I think it better prepares them yeah, and, and they're well-rounded and, it, and it, it prepares them for the, the school that they go to. One of the things that Mark Bernardino used to tell Bob Clemmer when he was his assistant at UVA is get as many of John Carroll's kids you can, because on the championship meet, we need those kids on the second day. And uh, he, I know that they recruited so many Jersey Wahoos kids back in the day. And Clemmer showed us a video in college one time about toughness. And it was a video of the UVA UNC dual meet. And in order for UVA to win that year in the dual meet, Pete had to go the thousand, 
the two free back to back. And I think right. he went 858 and 140.2 back to back without a women's event in between. Right, right, right. How did, how did you develop that mentality when he was an age grouper? Um, well, I, I think it's over time. It's just some of the things that you put them in. I mean, some of the events were back to back and limited rest. And, uh, you know, I, I, I knew he was doing that all the time in college. I mean, I think he did that uh, very often. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he was just, uh, he would just get out of the pool, walk over to a different lane and, uh, you know, shake his head a little bit, dry off a little bit and then get on the blocks. You had so many versatile athletes. Uh, one of them you, you mentioned earlier in Sean Killian. And what were some of the things that, that made Sean super special? I know there's commonality among most of these athletes, but that's a rare athlete that's super successful at an early age and then continues to build on that success throughout his career. Yeah, Sean was a good age grouper and he was he was good uh, uh, as an age grouper and uh, actually got better as a senior swimmer. So he he had success, you know, at every level, eight years old and under. And uh, I did not coach him uh, when he was uh, 12. But, uh, you know, I had I was lucky to work with him um, when he came home from college. So he was uh, with us, I think, three years uh, until 91 through the college years. And, uh, you know, just always watched, always marveled at him. Uh, one of the impressive things that he would do is because the lanes were, were tight. We had a lot of a lot of people in the pool. Um, and I don't see anybody ever doing this. And this is what uh, the uh, his high school coach would do. Not you know the last uh, uh, head coach would do is he would go like five five hundreds on five fifteen, and then the other kids would go five five hundreds on five thirty, all in the same lane. So he would just have to run people over constantly. You know, he's going on a different interval. He's pushing off on a 515 and guys are just making a turn. So, I mean, it uh, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I remember he came back um, his freshman uh, year and uh, we, we said, uh, all right, let's go to uh, 2000s for time. You know, it was an easy interval of 11 minutes, but he went like 922 and 920. And he came out of the pool and he goes, how was that? And I said, well, that's our unofficial uh, pool record right there. So uh, it just was, they, they were special uh, people, you know, wanted to, you know, Pete came home that year and he said, John, I want to do everything in my power, everything. Just give me everything you can. I don't want to say, I wish I would have done that or could have done that. So I, I, you know, a lot of stress, pressure. I wanted to give him the, the best I could. And, and if I could tell you one little story about Pete and uh, Bill Smythe, who was with us and he had, a, he is a, he did a great job with, with us that year. Um, all of our kids swam lights out with, with Bill there. He was a one year assistant with us. Um, so I would go over to Penny Pack, which was a 55-yard uh, pool, all right? Uh, and Pete always thought it was a 50-meter pool. 
So all his repeat times were slow, especially the longer we went. We did a 400, an 800, a thousand. He would be pissed that he didn't do the times that he normally thought he should do. Uh, and I just kept it quiet for the whole entire year. And finally, we're at trials. And Bill Smythe says to me, I, we got to tell him. We got to tell him. And I said, well, you tell him, you know. And uh, so Bill goes over to tell him uh, that, you know, Pete, all those years, every day, five days a week in the morning and then back in the afternoons uh, at, at, uh, at Wahoos, and he would come back and, and, and he, uh, Smythe said, like, Pete, that was 50 meters all this time. And he just put his head down, had a mumble a couple curse words at me, you know, against me. And, uh, you know, went in and did a great job in, in the 1500 at trials. Uh, so, uh, incredible, incredible story and, and makes the Olympic team in 96. And just uh, what an awesome progression. And I know one of the toughest competitors ever. John, talk to us about some of the, the great girls that you've had come through the program. And one of the things that I always really respected about your programs was that you did a good job with every kid from every family. You, you tended to get a lot of families that had four or five kids that all went through your programs. Talk to me about some of the girls that came through your program and some of those girls who, who exuded toughness throughout their career. Well, I mean, there's, there's there's quite a few. There's a lot of kids on the national level going back. Uh, gosh, uh, you know, there was, well, when I came on board, Gail Hagel was, had already left. And she swam under Hugh Merkel, the head coach before me. But there were, there were a boatload of, of kids that I thought were good. The most recent was uh, Molly, Molly Cole, who, uh, who did extremely well, had a great collegiate career at, at Ohio State. And I think Bill did a great job with her. And I think she improved every single year. She improved every single year through high school and then uh, every single year again uh, through, um, through college. Just got better. And if you, can rem if you wouldn't believe that she would, was a B-level swimmer at age 12, one of the last in the group, had to stay in the group a second year, wasn't good enough to move up to the, to the next group. So, uh, you know, she did a, she did an awesome job. There's, there's all kinds of girls. It was, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And that's toughness in and of itself, right? To know that you, you need to do a little bit more before you get up there and, and keeping yourself determined and encouraged to get there. I think you're confident too. Your confidence level helps you tremendously, you know, knowing that you're fully prepared and, you know, um, I, I just, so many times that there's a close race. I don't know how, uh, how many times our guys would come through and, and touch someone out at the end. That was something that I always, always liked uh, to see. And if, if someone did manage to get touched out, you know, I would use an example like, hey, your, your college coach is really not going to like that. You just cost them, you know, a five point swing or whatever the thing would be. So uh, I always liked our guys to, uh, you know, to finish up strong. You know, John, one thing that people have noticed over the years is when your athletes were on national junior teams, they, they were leaders. 
And if you watched your teams uh, at NCSAs when I had my teams there or, or other times, you guys were always in the hunt. And, and it might not have necessarily been for the top spot, but there was a team goal and you could tell that the whole group was all in on this just by the way that they encouraged each other. Talk about how you developed that culture. Uh, well, I mean, uh, the kids uh, raced well uh, in practice with each other. And uh, I always wanted everybody to be into, I mean, back then there wasn't the phones that were prevalent and stuff like that, that there are today. So uh, uh, I wanted them to be in everybody else's races, cheer for the other kids and watch them and, and help them if they, you know, saw anything, pointed something out. So like, to me, I'm going to point it out, but then if their teammate points it out at, well, it might hit closer to home uh, that, you know, their friend, their buddy uh, saw the same thing I did. And it just, you know, maybe they'll listen to them more than they will me. So I always had the, that going for me as well. So yeah, we we were into each other's swims and that's how I wanted it. And I wanted them to cheer for each other. And, and you know, I mean, we're trying to do it now. You know, just the last meet we had, uh, you know, four or five kids behind a kid's lane. So uh, I, I think that's important. Yeah, no doubt about it, John. And, you know, when whenever I got to talk to you at meets and I, and I would ask you about training, you would mention you know, that they, they, you discovered a set by learning from so-and-so. And talk about why mentorship is so important in our profession. Oh, I think it's, it's really important. I, I just love the fact that, you know, you can maybe borrow something uh, if you want to use steel, whatever, but you, you borrow a set or you saw a set that worked uh, for these guys. And a lot of times I would modify it. Sometimes I would take that idea and maybe try to make it a little harder. You know, hey, this would be more difficult or, or a dry land exercise is, hey, that's a really great dry land exercise, but wait, this is going to be even more difficult. So a lot of times I would, would take other people's ideas and, and just try to run with it and, and try to make it a little more tougher, more challenging. And who are some of the people that you leaned into as a younger coach or throughout your career have you gone back to and said, hey, what do you think about this? Well, in, in Mid-Atlantic, you know, coming up as a young coach, you, you had Bob Matson always had a lot of uh, a lot of great swimmers at Wilmington Aquatic Club. And they are uh, still uh, around uh, being run by uh, his two nieces. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Schulberg, Dick Schulberg is, uh, his guys were uh, all, tremendous always, um, actually would train with them sometimes. They would come to this penny pack on, on Sundays, and I just remember Matty Crippen running everybody over. All our guys would just get, you know, I mean, she'd just run right over top of them and just keep going. Uh, so, I mean, that's a, a good experience to swim with people that are faster than you and can only help you as a, as an individual develop. So um, yeah, they, they were, they were two of the, the really good coaches that I always marveled at. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, and two coaches who were very willing to share their ideas and welcome other people to, to right. see what they were doing. Um, John, what do you say to that athlete who looks at you after you finish writing whatever's on the whiteboard or after you put that workout on the end of the lane and looks at you and says, 
Coach, there's no way I'm doing this. Well, I mean, I, I don't get that too often, uh, but yeah, they, uh, I mean, for the most part, I haven't really had that too much. Uh, we might, I wouldn't really modify it. We would just maybe uh, come back to it if need be, you know, whatever, but uh, they would eventually do it. Um, but yeah, no, there, there's been some tough sets that, you know, that the kids go through and the same thing. You just, Hey, just start out, just finish it. Let's just get through it. And, you know, you, you don't have to like the set, you know, um, but if it's good for you and it's going to make you better, you know, that was something that, that you, you Peter did. He didn't like a 10,000 meter free for time, but he knew it was, it was, uh, uh, something he needed to do or the three thousands for, for time at once a month, you know, uh, he knew it was good for him. So. Tom, talk about the power of knowing that what you're doing is more challenging than what anybody else is doing. Well, I think that's, that's something that you have to develop within your, your guys saying, Hey, nobody else is doing this. I mean, you're working harder than that team. You're working, you're doing more than this team. Uh, you're swimming smarter than that team, you know? So that's what, you know, eventually you have to try to create. And eventually uh, over time, some of these guys start to believe it. Most of them will believe it. So it's, it's really a good thing when you get into a championship level meet and, and they're racing that team, you know, they're, they're going for it. Whether they win or lose, their times are, are, are dropping tremendously. Yeah, I love it. I love that mentality. And one of the things, Coach, that I loved about this year's trials and the Olympic Games was you saw the club coaches coming back, putting athletes on the Olympic team, whether it was the Sandpipers, yeah. uh, you know, some of, the, some of the better teams here in the Eastern Zone. Um, you're, you're watching some programs that are a little bit more, and I use this term lightly, traditional in their approach. Uh, putting kids, club, high school level kids back on the Olympic team. Was that something that, that you were excited about to see in American swimming? Absolutely. The young kids like that, that's great. I mean, uh, if you're an older athlete, a pro, I mean, to me, until someone knocks you off that pedestal, you're going to continue as long as you can. So once you get knocked off that pedestal, it's, you know, it's the younger kid time. So, yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, John, what, what club excites you right now when you watch, you know, other teams start to develop and other young coaches start to develop? Who are you excited about? Well, young, young wise, young coaches. I just look in, in our LSC as a uh, suburban Charlie Kennedy is always done a super, super job. Um, you know, they, they lost their building for a while. Now they have a new building 10 years later. But, um, you know, he's not one of the younger coaches, but he's always done a super terrific job with whoever he's got. His, his teams are always prepared. Um, you know, he gets guys. The relays are always good. His team scores are good. So he is, uh, to me, uh, that's a tremendous – he's a tremendous coach, and it's a – tremendous program with him and his staff. 
Uh, no doubt. We just inducted him into the ASCA Hall of Fame and right, right. he gave well deserved. A, a tremendous speech and just, you know, incredible success with a lot of adversity. And, and what a great example for the athletes. Uh, right. John, talk about Bobby Fink's last 50 at the Olympic Games. Was that a thing of beauty? That was awesome. That was awesome. I, I thought that, you know, um, tremendous. It's a great example. I, I used uh, that with my, my team. You know, uh, I, I, I asked our team to watch, and you know, but uh, yeah, I think that's tremendous. Um, and uh, I mean, tell me who his club coach is again. Fred Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I was pretty sure that it wasn't, uh, you know, Fred, Fred has done an awesome job his entire career. You know, I remember him from uh, when he was uh, coaching at Pitt, Pitt. but, uh, you know, I, I always enjoyed uh, Fred and always uh, thought that his athletes were in great shape all the time. Oh, no doubt about it. And swim every stroke in every event too, which is something that I appreciate yeah. that in St. Petersburg yeah. still, he's still got a couple coming up right now. And, yes. uh, you know, he's, he, he swims like five grand. He swims like 5,000 meters every day. We were down there for a training trip last year and he was in the pool every day training. Well, he's also, uh, I think a Cape May lifeguard for 40 something plus years Every nationals, he hightails it back up and does his uh, three, four weeks uh, at the beach and, and then goes back down to Florida. Wow, it's unbelievable, man. <laughs> it, John, when you think about, uh, you know, this cliche term now in every profession, which is work-life balance, we've chosen a particularly challenging profession when it comes to managing time with our families. You have been able to intertwine your family with coaching. Uh, talk about some of those challenges throughout throughout uh, your career and talk about the joy it brings. You know, your son is doing a phenomenal job as a Division One coach right now. Uh, I got to spend a little time with him last year and he's all in, man. It's got to make you super proud. Uh, it does. Uh, I give all the credit in the world to my wife, who was a swimmer at the University of Delaware. Um, so at least she understands the sport. Um, I've missed a lot of birthdays and uh, family outings um, because of swimming, being at a meet or at practice or, or whatever. Uh, and, and she's always been there uh, to pick up the slack, uh, you know, with me uh, being away. So uh, I'm so fortunate uh, to be able to have uh, Barb to lead on like that. Yeah, and it's it's been uh, a joy to watch your family because you know you guys have been able to go through so many years working together and and coaching and the kids swimming and it gives us hope that we can get through some of these crazy scheduling challenges and it only gets harder, you know. So uh, kudos to you and Barb, John. The the last question I wanted to ask you was, what are you most excited about the sport here moving forward as we get into twenty twenty two? Well, I, I mean, I, I just think that it's a new uh, quad. All right. So you got some younger, you know, the younger people uh, to watch. But, you know, I'm excited with with my new program here. Uh, my Bob Kerbin, my uh, my partner, um, we uh, have seen it grow. 
and we want to uh, see it continue to grow. Um, we've merged with another team in Medford. Uh, so now by name, uh, we're not 35 swimmers, we're 115 swimmers. So, um, you know, uh, our virtual club championship uh, score goes up. Our, our, our numbers that uh, go up to the championship meets are, are going to go up. So uh, it's exciting on, on that way for me and, and, and for my partner, Bob, and, uh, and our young uh, program. And I, I just anxious to keep going. John, four and a half decades in the sport. What's the number one most important thing for parents to keep in mind during the developmental process? They just have to trust their coach and uh, stay out of it. Be supportive. Get them the rides they need. You know, I, I, I leave the crock here and, and, and uh, my kids are sitting there waiting for a ride. You know, they, why can't the parents wait five minutes? Why do the kids have to wait five minutes? Um, it just doesn't, it boggles my mind. But I, I think if they can just be attentive and, and, uh, and, and keep backing off, trust your coach, just do what they need to do to get their kid to the pool and to these meets. John Carroll, we appreciate your time on the Coach's Corner. Thanks so much and good luck the rest of this season. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mike. Good hey, luck any, to you. Anytime.